the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, Jesus Christ did come just as the prophets foretold. And just as they predicted he came, as the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, ladies and gentlemen, you need to rest assured that Jesus Christ will return one day. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity, or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I am uh, speaking on the subject, Are We Living in the Last Days? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everybody say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Say that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Acts is the fifth book. Those first four books uh, tell us all about Jesus, uh, beginning with his birth, uh, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Then he stayed on earth for another 40 days. And then we have in Acts 1 a record of the ascension. That's where he went back into heaven. Before we read this, I want you to hold your Bible up. I want to see your Bibles. I haven't done that in a while. And I want you to repeat after me. Just hold it up. You need the exercise. Uh, uh, Repeat after me. uh, Dear Lord, as I open up my Bible, will you open up my heart? Teach me your truth that I might do your will. Teach me, guide me, and instruct me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's look at Acts 1. I want to show you verse 9. Acts 1 verse 9. It says, after he said this, said what? Well, you have to go back up in verse 8 to see what he had just said. He told his disciples in verse 8, I want you guys to take the gospel and to be my witnesses and to start here in Jerusalem and go to the far corners of this earth preaching the gospel. And so then it says, after he said this, the Bible says he was taken up. Everybody say taken up. And I picture this. They're standing there talking to him. And all of a sudden his feet elevate off the floor, the ground, the earth. And the Bible says that he was taken up before their very eyes. This is not something someone said, hey, did you hear what happened to Jesus? No, they saw it. They were there. 
And the Bible says that he was taken up before their very eyes, and he went up there, and a cloud hid him. In other words, he he went up and just kind of disappeared in the clouds. And just imagine talking to Jesus, and all of a sudden he starts to rise, and he just goes, it's called the ascension, and he just goes up, and he just disappears into the clouds. And then it says in verse 10, they were doing exactly what we would have done. They were looking intently into the sky. And as he was going, they had their eyes on Jesus. Now the Bible doesn't say their mouths were open, but I think their mouths were open too. But as he was going, suddenly there were two men dressed in white who stood beside them. And in verse 11, they said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking, gazing, gawking, staring into the sky? This same Jesus that you just saw, the Bible says, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, that same Jesus will one day what? He will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. That's my first point. Write that down if you would. Jesus Christ is coming again. The same Jesus that was standing there and rose and disappeared into those clouds, according to this verse, one day we will all see Jesus in those clouds again returning, according to the Word of God. Can you say amen? This is only one verse that prophesies the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, we have all kinds of verses in the Bible that prophesy, predict concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. We have hundreds of scriptures that prophesy the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, we have more, we have more scriptures prophesying the second coming of Jesus Christ than we do have scriptures prophesying the first coming of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ did come just as the prophets foretold. And just as they predicted he came, as the Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, ladies and gentlemen, you need to rest assured that Jesus Christ will return one day. Now, point number two, we don't really know the date or the hour, okay? Matthew 24, 36 says that no one knows the day or the hour, but we can know the season. We don't, we're never going to know the date. No man knows the date. But we can know the season or the period of time where the Lord is about to return. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24. There's a bunch of things in Matthew 24, that Jesus tells us, when you see these things, you're going to know that it's the season. We find that specifically in verse 8. I want you to look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, when you see all these things, these are the beginning of the birth what? The birth pains. These are just simply uh, birth pains that are announcing that Jesus is about to make an appearance. I want you to write this down, number three. I believe after we go through this that you will agree with me that Jesus is at the door. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that phrase is actually in the Bible. I want you to look at Matthew 24, verse 33. It says, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is what? 
it is near and at the door. And I'm convinced when you're finished here today, you're going to believe like me that not only is Jesus at the door, but his hand is actually on the doorknob. That's what I believe. I believe we're that close. Matthew 24, write this down. It gives us various signs. The Bible says that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against what? Kingdoms. I did a little research for this message. Currently, there are wars being fought in 65 different countries around the world. There are some 638 opposition groups that are fighting. I would have thought as we got older and more civil as a society, and you can travel anywhere in the world and with modern technology, you would think that we could get along better. But the 20th and 21st century, in spite of all of our... uh, uh, our, our mature ways, you would think, there, are, there is more bloodshed in the 21st century than in any other time period in the history of our world. Look at the last part of verse 7. It says that there will be famines and what? Earthquakes. Did you know today that there are 2 billion people in the world that went to bed last night with nothing to eat? Today there will be 200,000 people who die because they have nothing to eat. There'll be 40,000 children who die today because they have nothing to eat. Even here in the great state of California, we think we're all that. We've been in a drought for the last four years, really the last 10 years. Who's to say that God couldn't turn the water off in California, not for the next four years, but for the next 40 years, and not just in California? Could he not do it in the entire United States if he wanted? Yes, he could. I'm just saying this. Every time I hear of children going to bed, knowing that there's famine in the world, And knowing that it could happen here, it's just a sign that Jesus is at the door. And then you have earthquakes. These are just recent years. From the year 2000, there was a 7.9 earthquake in Indonesia, a 7.7 earthquake in India, a 9.1 earthquake off the coast of northern Sumatra, 7.6 earthquake in Pakistan. 2007, there was an 8.0 earthquake in central Peru off the coast there. 2008, there was a 7.9 earthquake in China. 2010, there was a 7.0 earthquake in Haiti. In 2011, there was an earthquake on the eastern coast of Japan that registered at 9.0. 2012, there was a 6.7 earthquake in the Philippines. In 2014, there was an 8.2 earthquake in Chile. And you know, they're even having earthquakes in Oklahoma. And all of that, look at verse 8 again. These are just the beginning of the what? the birth pains. You tell me, is verse 9 happening? Look at verse 9. Is that happening right now in your world? You'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Is verse 11 happening? Look at verse 11. Many false prophets will appear and deceive how many people? Many people. Let me tell you this. Any pastor who preaches a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is a false prophet. He's a false teacher. He is. Any pastor who teaches salvation by works is a false prophet, a false teacher. Any pastor who preaches that there are many ways to get to heaven, Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven, 
is a false teacher. He's a false prophet. And there are many people that are being deceived. Look at verse 12. Tell me verse 12 is happening. It says, it says not just there will be wickedness. There's always been wickedness. It says that when there's an increase of wickedness, you know the Lord's standing at the door. Got his hand out there on the doorknob. When I was a little boy, 10 years of age, did you know that if you had an abortion, you had to go to jail? Because it was against the law in the entire United States of America to take a life of an unborn child. Today, it's okay. When I was a boy, drugs, I couldn't find drugs at school when I was 10. Drugs were found at a pharmacy. Alcoholism was a sin, not a disease. Popular music did not have demonic words in them, vulgar language. When I was a boy, you could go to any movie theater and watch any movie because there was zero nudity scenes, because nudity scenes were against the law. In fact, when I was a boy, you could go to any movie and not hear a curse word because there were no movies in any movie theaters in the world. I had, you couldn't put a curse word in a movie when I was a boy. Some girl came out and said, is that true? You couldn't have curse words? Have you been to a movie lately? When I was a, a child, pornography was underground. The public school system, I was in school, I remember, they handed out Bibles. The teacher handed out a Bible to every student in the school when I was a boy. Our government's local, state, and national still value Judeo-Christian principles. Today, They value lotteries and horse racing and casinos. When I was a boy, you never locked the door of your house. You kept your car keys above the visor. You never had to look for your car keys. They're above the visor. How many of you remember those days? When I was a boy, there were no fences. Nobody had a fence between the neighbor's yard. While our football field was 300 yards long, we played all day long in the backyard and the front yard of our homes. You say, Dudley, you're old. (laughs) Not really. Not really. What's happened is in a very short period of time, wickedness is on the increase We abort 4,000 babies every single day. We spend more money on gambling than we do food. We are assaulted by pornography on the internet, in our movies, in our cell phones. Families are being destroyed by an epidemic of divorce and child abuse and infidelity and spousal violence. Our prisons are flowing and overcrowded. Our school system is filled with rebellion and violence. Our government is corrupt. Our churches are lethargic and powerless. And I look at all that, and I know it all looks kind of ugly. I don't see all the ugliness as much as I just see Jesus getting ready to come through the door and say, come back and fix everything. That's what I see. I want you to turn over to 2 Timothy. I have two more passages of Scripture to show you this morning. Mark this, write this, underline this. I've done it in my Bible. There will be terrible times. Everybody say terrible times. In the what? In the what? So when you see these things happening, you know you're living in the last days. 
I want you to answer this question when I read through this list. Do you see this in the culture in which you live? Do you see this at your school? Do you see this in your neighborhood? Do you see this in Los Angeles? Do you see this in the United States of America? Because the Bible says when you see these terrible times, you know you're living in the last. Let's see if you recognize any of this happening right now. Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves. Do you see that? Lovers of money. Do you see that? Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. You see any young people being disobedient to their parents in our culture today? Ungrateful, unholy, verse 3, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with people like that. In your box, in your note, I want you to write this down. There's a little box in your, I took out three things from there. One is lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. The third thing quickly is the nation of Israel. I don't have time to go into this, but Ezekiel talks about the fact that one day that God was going to regather the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Now, some of you young people need to listen up. He says there in verse 24, I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. And it was in the year 70. Everybody say 70. Most of you weren't alive back then. But in A.D. 70, the Romans came to Jerusalem and destroyed, utterly destroyed the entire city, and the Jewish people were sent uh, uh, off uh, in persecution to the, throughout the entire world. They were kicked out of Israel. They fled for their lives. In 1942, 1943, 1944, Hitler tried to rid the world of Jews. He didn't care where they were. They were all over Europe because they had fled they had fled Israel because they couldn't live in Israel, so most of them had fled to Europe, and so Hitler wanted to rid the world of the Jews, and so he killed some six, he was success, successful, six million Jews he killed. He, did, he would have killed them all if he could have. But God had a remnant, right? And I want you to write this down, it wasn't until May 14th, 1948, so at 70, 70 A.D., they got kicked out. They never came back until May 14, 1948 was the day that Israel once again became a nation. Now, I don't have time to explain all this to you, but the clock that is ticking for Jesus Christ to return, it began, it, it began when Israel became a nation. And many of you were alive when that took place. You're living in that day in that period. And the last one, write this down. The Bible says there'll be many scoffers. It just says, when you hear all the people scoffing, everybody say scoff. Scoffers scoff. They tease, they make fun, they ridicule. And when you hear people saying stuff like this, you Christians, you are, you are just, you are just idiot, bunch of idiots. You're so silly. You keep saying Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to come back. He's coming. You've been, you've been saying that for 2,000 years. 2,000 years you've been saying Jesus is going to come back. Forget you as Christians. I'm going to do what I, Jesus is not coming back. 
I'm going to do what I want to do. I can live however I want to live. I can do whatever I want to do. I can say whatever I want to say. You guys are crazy. I'm going to live my life for myself. Those are scoffers. Now, when you hear people saying stuff like that to you, just go. Don't get upset. Just go, oh, Jesus is getting ready to come back. As we close, I want, you, I want to close with this. Write this down. God's loving kindness. I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. The first part of this chapter uh, talks about the scoffers. That's over in verse 3. You must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Well, verse 7, look at verse 7. It says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Listen, the Lord God is going to return one day, and he's going to judge all the ungodly people on this planet. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like how long? A thousand years. And a thousand years are like a what? So when's the Lord coming back? You guys have been saying that for 2,000 years. No, it's only been two days. <laughs> Do you not realize how long eternity is going to be? Now here's the good part. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Don't, don't you worry about the Lord coming back. He's coming back. Just read the Bible. We're living in those last days. He's at the door. It's about to happen. And then it says this. He is patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to do what? To perish. But he wants everyone to come to what? To repentance. You see, yes, God is going to judge this world. He's going to judge the ungodly. But what he wants to do is he wants, he wants every single one of us to be saved is what he wants he wants you to be saved so much that he was willing to allow his own son to die in your place so that your sins could be forgiven now i have a son he's nowhere near being perfect but i wouldn't let him die so you could live now i love you i do love you but i love my son I wouldn't let him die so you could live. I don't think. I'm not sure I'd let my son die so that all of you could live. But I do know this, that God allowed his son to die because he loved you so much. He allowed Jesus to die on that cross so that you could have everlasting life. You see, here's what this means. If it was up to me, I'd, I'd open the door, let's go. Let's get the show on the road, Lord. Let's judge the world. I'm sick of it. But God is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Oh, he's ready to come. It's the season. He could come at any moment. I think this, this is not in the Bible, but I think this all the time. I think the Lord looks at everything going on in our world and he goes, okay. Jesus says to God, all right, God, it's time. Let's go. And God says, no, no, no. There's, we're having church this Sunday at Shepherd of the Hills. There might be one more person that gets saved. And, and if, if, I, if I go right now, they won't get saved. They, they'll lose that opportunity. Uh, and, and they, I don't know if this is true. I'm just making this up. But 
Hey, 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 let's wait. Let's wait one more Sunday. Let's give them one more chance. And you see, it's not just this church. It's Rocky Peak and it's Church on the Way. It's Grace Community Church. It's all the churches in the valley and all those churches in California and all the churches in the United States and all the churches all over the world that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, God is ready to come back. He's at the door. Read the signs. We're in the season. He's ready. Except he wants to wait just a little bit longer so that you can get saved. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to have everlasting life. We hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55:11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.